just amazing, isn't it? All these people that can sing and play instruments and all that kind of stuff. I can't even play the radio. No, it is kind of interesting. You, you, you feel like some kind of an alien when you get around people. I've heard some of these boys and girls and play the piano and sing, and it just blows my mind what they can do with their fingers. And um, all of my kids could play. They were born that way. And I, I guess that's why I feel abnormal sometimes. You ever feel that way? But uh, anyway, it's a great gift. I appreciate the, 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 the piano and also the flute. That was just really Really beautiful, beautiful music that, that that little thing makes. And I was thinking to myself, how in the world do you do that, learn to play that? And uh, anyway, it's good to be in God's house. And what a great message this morning. Amen. And uh, I tell you what, uh, you can, a Christian that wants to hear from the Word of God, um, I don't like the word feel, but you can make a determination that God's speaking, you know, through the preacher. And uh None of us are perfect, but I appreciate uh, how the Lord is using Brother Jeremiah here at this church, and um, I appreciate the opportunity to share his pulpit. I know this was kind of uh, uh, inopportune, not feeling good. I know people come to hear him preach, but uh, anyway, if God calls you to preach, you got to preach somewhere, right? So uh, I was here this afternoon, so anyway, got the opportunity. Uh, thank everybody for uh, your prayers for my wife, and it seems like every time I get up here, I'm thanking you for that, but I appreciate uh, your prayers for her, and people keep asking, what is wrong with your wife? And I say, well, you know, everything, and uh, not really everything, but you know how it is when you, when you just have something just continually going on, and it don't go away, and then it seems like you forget about that, and you got something, you know, I know we're not getting old, so I know that's not the problem, but I think there's something wrong with these doctors, and uh, but anyway, she is, uh, the Lord, as I said last time, the Lord's given her daily healing, and uh, uh, we, we appreciate that. And uh, I told Jeremiah the other day, I said, uh, I said, son, I said, I don't know, you know, you say something sometimes to your kids, you just wouldn't say it to anybody else. And I really don't say it as a joke, but it is kind of, uh, I said, I wonder if God's trying to tell me something, you know. And, uh, but anyway, she is getting better, and uh, one week she'll have something horrible, and Everything that she's had so far, the bits and pieces, she's still got that stuff. But God's given her grace and given her daily healing. So you'll just have to kind of put that in whatever you believe the Bible says in James chapter 5 and all these other things. And we're just thankful that God's doing all this stuff. We've got a busy summer, and we have been busy. My wife has been helping me at home. We're trying to redo a building down there along with the other stuff. And so I'm kind of throwing out another advertisement. Uh, if you've got some spare time and want to do anything, and I mean anything, uh, wash dishes, uh, uh, cut grass, dig holes, uh, just about anything as far as construction goes, yard work, stuff like that. I spent about four hours on a tractor yesterday, got about two acres of grass cut, made a good lick in it. Uh, but also we got uh, two camps in the summertime besides the central camps that we're doing that we're looking to staff with some qualified people. We're trying to get back to where we were before uh, things kind of fell apart there at the camp. So um, if anybody is interested in applying for any of that, we, we, we usually don't pay anything, but uh, if you have to take off your job to come help us, we'll try to get you something, gas money. But we're excited. I told somebody the other day, we're excited to be able to invite smaller churches that are uh, not able to send their kids off to a camp somewhere where they got two or three kids or a half a dozen or local kids. We kind of call this uh, uh, camp coming off right after July 4th. It's July 5th through the 8th. And we call it our local camp. So we make it available to any kid. And we, we do have a fee, but we don't let the fee stop the kids from coming. 
And then schedule-wise, you've got Central's uh, Vacation Bible School, and then you've got what we call our man camp. That's a boys' camp, and that is only four days uh, and three nights. And so we're also looking for some men that would like to come in and teach boys about what a man is and being a man and doing some man stuff, uh, you know, stuff that girls uh, used to didn't do. And uh, so we're excited about this. we got some building projects and some other stuff. So we kind of threw that out there as a little bit of an invitation. Uh, give us a phone call. If you don't have my number, call Miss Pam. She's got it. Call Brother Jeremiah. He's got it. But uh, anyway, it's kind of like I was talking um, um, to the brooms over here a while ago uh, about their ministry. And we started out going to the nursing home when I was pastor of my first church. You know, there's all over the place. It's a wide open ministry. And um, I felt kind of strange going to nursing homes and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, you know, just kind of who I was. And after we got there and started ministering and trying to be a blessing, we left blessed. And so you never know. This may be something that, uh, you know, you contribute some time and, and give of yourself to another kid. You never know what God may do in your heart, you know, in the process. Isn't that the way God works? It's the way he works. So get your Bibles out and turn to Romans chapter 12. And um, I don't worry about time too much, but uh, Brother Jeremiah mentions it a lot. So I'll tell you tonight, I, I don't plan on being long. I never do plan on being long. I just try to finish, right? And uh, I preach what God gives me to preach. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the old preachers. I listen to a lot of the old preachers. I, I just began here a while back reading up uh, about some, some of, uh, from A.W. Tozer and listening to some of his messages. And boy, you want to get a breath of fresh air looking back into the century gone by. You listen to that man and you can size up uh, kind of where America is today and where the Christian is today. And you can kind of get a good fix on where, where you are as a Christian and so, anyway, Romans chapter 12, and some great familiar verses, and so let's go ahead and stand just for a minute, if you would. Try to keep in with Brother Jeremiah. Romans chapter 12, I'll read the first three verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to come and share a burden that you've put upon our heart. We we pray that you bless Brother Jeremiah, that he could rest this evening and get to feeling better. And we pray he doesn't have anything, uh, dear Lord, that would keep him down uh, very long. Um, I pray, Father, that you'd help me to be a blessing. I pray for everybody that's here tonight as we meet together as a church family. Lord, I pray that you'd just help us, uh, uh, dear God, just to be in fellowship with the Word tonight. That we just open our hearts and minds. And Lord, help me. I've had just a little bit of time, dear God, to pray over this and, and put this together and I just thank you that you stirred my heart with something. So I pray, God, you'd just speak to us tonight and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. I had uh, been reading this passage. It's kind of like you ever get one of those to where uh, a passage just keeps reappearing to you? And um, this is how this has been the, the, the last several weeks, actually. 
in my private meditations. You know, I used to write down notes and, and stuff like that and, uh, before I was a preacher and take notes. And, you know, sometimes you need to go back and read those notes. You need to re- read what you wrote down. And um, so they've kind of been coming back to me, and I uh, asked the Lord to help me to know what to, to share tonight, and he gave me this. Um, my preacher in my home church, which is with the Lord now, I remember when he would read from these passages and, and read that beginning part where I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He says that means God uh, means I strongly urge you. And so that hadn't changed. And then brethren, so we're, we're looking here at saved folks and, you know, used to. And I know, Brother Jeremiah, generally you'll have most of your home folks in the church on Sunday night and maybe a few visitors. And if you're here tonight, we're glad to have you. And uh, so uh, say, folks, and then by the mercies of God. And so we think of that, that because we are saved. Amen. Because we are saved. And uh, I want to tell you, you get in sad shape when you take your salvation for granted. And when you can't get stirred up about what God has done for you. And that's what troubles do sometimes. Troubles are good. Um, if you're living for the Lord, God will allow them to come into your life at just the right time. And, and uh, sometimes they can give you the boost that you need. But by the mercies of God, because we are saved. And as people ask my wife, you don't get a whole lot out of her usually. But uh, they'll ask, how you doing? And she say, well, I got up this morning. I mean, isn't that the mercies of God? Hey, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm uh, glad to be able to drive home with my wife tonight. And so um, it goes on in verse 1. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice and so as I kept thinking about that and God kept putting this on my mind this passage of scripture and I got a thumb tab here on this part because I've been looking back at it looking back at it and and God's saying to me and I'm I'm getting from God there's something here there's something here more than just a grocery list of things about myself and then to be able to call out to other people you know preachers like points to preach and you know, like a machine gun, just give you one thing after another. And boy, there's tons of stuff in here. And we're just going to scratch a little bit of the surface on this one thought here. But present your body as a living sacrifice. And that just kept getting my attention. And I was thinking about over in the book of Job. When the account begins to open about what's going on there in Job's life and what's fixing to happen. And the Bible says this. In Job 1.6, it says, There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now, we know that sons of God are not the sons of God mentioned in the book of Genesis. That was talking about saved men. But these are the angels. And they came to present themselves before God. And I believe in this passage, I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about what we're being taught here by the Apostle Paul, and I'm thinking about the angels there as they gather together and present themselves before God. And I'm thinking, obviously, about the, the day that we'll present ourselves before God at the, at the judgment seat of Christ. But that's going to total everything up that has been, whether it's good or bad, and we're going to receive of those things that we've done in this body whether they're good or whether they're bad. But God began to stir my heart personally about about this thought that I'm thinking, oh God, here's what I've made for you today as I present myself before you. And it's not so much a formal here I am God before you 
But we do that every day, knowing or unknowing. Whether on purpose or not on purpose. And so tonight, as we think about this thought, I'd like to make just a few personal observations about that thought. I certainly want to be an encouragement. But I also want to throw out a challenge out there. You know, Sunday night, Jack Howes used to say he had preached hell and brimstone, fire and brimstone on Sunday morning. And on Sunday night, he had tried to preach a pastorly message, if that was possible for Jack Howes. And it was, if you ever listened to him very much. I listened to him uh, long before I was ever a preacher. And isn't it amazing how things change? And the mood of the country and churches and things. But anyway, not to get off track. That's what I'm thinking here for a few minutes tonight, just to make a few observations out of this passage of Scripture. And I want you to just think about that thought. Whether we do it or not, and we are a born-again child of God, we belong to God, we're His. And of all the things it says here, this presentation that we make every day before God, nothing hidden for God, nothing He doesn't know, nothing He doesn't want to fix, God really wants to be a blessing. And so tonight as we think about that, let's take a look at that for a few minutes here tonight about this presentation before God as we put, again, it's not just a formal thing you do. It's not just like Job praying about something before it happened. And boy, don't you know he was glad he was down on his knees presenting his case before God before that happened. First thing I want you to show you here, I want you to think about this thing of presenting ourselves before God, this presentation, if you will. That presentation says something about our relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but the Bible tells us that uh, we are the bride of Christ. One of the things that will take place during the seven years of tribulation here on this planet will be uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Ever how you want to figure it out or think about it, we will be presented to the Lord Jesus Christ as his bride. And the marriage is often described and used as analogy in our relationship with God. And I used to think about uh, uh, way back, I can still remember a lot of uh, things between me and my wife before we were married way back. I remember seeing her across the street uh, sitting over there, uh, we lived in Florida's kind of flat there around Jacksonville, Florida. You get a few hills when you get down around Brother Nate's uh, part of the country, around Green Cove, and been there many times. And, and so she would be out there in the front yard, and I would ride by on my bicycle. Some of you have heard this story, and it's not really a story. It's just kind of how it was. And I would ride by because the last thing I wanted to do was smile at anybody, especially a girl. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the way it was when, when boys were boys. I mean, we were all going to grow up and join the foreign legion of the army, you know. I mean, girls was the last thing of our, in our minds. But, you know, as time went on and things began to change, how I dressed and how I looked and, you know, I had a lot of hair at one time, how I combed my hair and all that kind of stuff, you know, it meant something to me when I would just see her, not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, be around her for a date or something like that. And that said something about my relationship to her. And I think it went the other way. I think that she knew I was going to ride my bicycle by 
down the, the street by her house that day. I think maybe she put on a pretty dress or something like that. And, you know, she's got that beautiful dimpled smile and all that stuff, you know, still got all that stuff going on. And so presentation, when we present ourselves before God, it says something about relationship. We're called brethren, obviously, uh, talking about saved people here. And I want to read you something out of the, uh, out of the book of Job on, on, that, on that thought. In Job chapter 1, I already told you about the angels. But notice in Job chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offering according to the number of them all, had ten kids. And Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And the Bible says, thus Job, thus did Job continually, continually. That says a lot about his relationship with God. That Job did this continually. It was not just because he had an omen that something was going to happen or he had a bad feeling. That was a relationship that he had with God. I used to hear Vance Habner. Well, I used to hear him recording. I've never met him personally. But he would, he would say, fellas, he said, if, if you're 95% faithful to your wife, you're not faithful at all. It's all or nothing. And so... This presentation here of presenting ourselves uh, before God and all these things that are mentioned here says something about our relationship to God. Thus did Job continually. I've often thought about Abraham. What a man of God, amen? What a man of God. And the Bible says about Abraham, you know, when the angels came by his tent and they stopped in, he invited them in and, you know, the Bible hospitality and uh, they gave them some good news about having a child. But then God said, you know, I need to tell him about what's fixing to happen. And he told him the business that the angels were there for, to go up to Sodom and Gomorrah to see if things were really as bad as they were. And they have a chat with Abraham. And then Abraham begins to... Talk to God. And he asks God, says, God, would you, would you spare? You're too righteous to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And God never does that, by the way. We got that promise. When we get saved, Jesus took our wrath on the cross. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that one because I deserve a whole lot. But Abraham, he, he talked with God and and, and then he finally got down, if he could find ten righteous, that God would spare all those cities of the plain. What a relationship with God. That a man cared enough about God and God's people and his family that he could talk to God on their behalf. And that he had God's ear. And you read in that passage of Scripture, and I'll read it to you, because there's nothing like straight Bible. The Bible says that when the fire and brimstone came down and destroyed the cities, in verse 27 in Genesis chapter 19, it says, And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. That place that he presented himself before God. No put on, no image building, 
just present himself before God. And he looked, and by on as probably as far as he could see, he saw the smoke going up. I read in some archaeology books, Bible archaeology books that I've got, and I think this one particular one you had is your loan books. I never got it back, but it, it told about how many tombs have been found over in that area to where, where it's thought to be down at the bottom of the Salt Sea and said that, that over 20,000 tombs have been found over there and a civilization just disappeared. So I'm thinking, as the Bible teaches us and we see here with these men, that presentation says something about our relationship with God. This place that that Abraham had where he stood before God. He stood there on the good days, and he, he was there on the, on the bad days, and, and that shows our, that relationship. That he presented himself before God, and, and he was there because he wanted to please God. And this, these verses tells us things about that. Both men, they knew what to do. We see the tizzy going on in America today in the world, and, and it's, 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 it's like one of the old preachers said, it's, it's like the inmates are running the asylum. I mean, most things are, that you and I could, we could probably send two or three of these kids in here, maybe in the kids' classes, and send them up to Washington, and they could probably do a much better job than the ones that are up there. But you know what? We're not dependent on the guys in Washington, right? What's in Washington is just a representation of what's across America already. But these men knew what to do. They could get in touch with God because of that relationship with God. And many of us in here tonight have had some, someone that, Maybe it's been on death's door. And you are so thankful for that relationship that you have with God that you could go to God in prayer. So we see here with these men that they knew what to do um, in rough situations. Both men trusted God. And, and I believe I can say this about these men, that God trusted them. God trusted them with what he gave them. And they were presenting it back to God. By the way, in verse 1, God calls that reasonable service. I like it that God put verse 3 in there, right? We need to get it whittled down to size sometimes, don't we? Things will be going good and say, man, this is great, this is wonderful. And all of a sudden, it's like the, the rug's been jerked out from under our feet. You know that's good for us? To realize that we're not making this happen, God is. And that we need to thank God... I, um, I was thinking about the, the musicians a while ago, and I was thinking about, I said, well, you know, I know how to use a hammer, amen. I can use the hammer pretty good. Drive nails and, and just all that kind of stuff, and, 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 and God gives us in different ways. So presentation says something about relationship. Everybody in here has got kids, and I'm sure your kids have made something uh, you know, used to in vacation Bible schools, they would have a project, things they would make, and then they make stuff at school. And, and I remember one time in, uh, uh, when I was a kid and, and made something in a wood shop, brought it home, you know, and it just meant everything to show that to your parents. Isn't that the same way it should be with us? Isn't that what God's showing? So presentation says something about relationship. And then the second thing, presentation... And I'm abbreviating this. There's a whole lot in here. Presentation brings about transformation. When I think of that word transformation, it's just kind of an amazing word, isn't it? 
Remember that guy Jerry Falwell had, what was it, 40 years ago, David Ring? He, he had palsy or something. He walked funny and he talked funny. And he got up there and said, God don't make no twice. I'm not mocking the man. But he don't, does he? God uses everything. God takes nothing and makes something out of it. When we're serious with the Lord and we build in that relationship and we're willing to say, God, here I am. As David said in Psalms 139. He went over everything about God and man and God knows everything. And then at the end of the, end of the chapter, he says, here I am, God. Show me what's wrong with me. Show me what's right with me. It's not that we are saying, God, I can take it. We're saying, God, I need it. What do you think of what I'm doing so far? The Bible talks about the world here. It says, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'd like to say that worldly limitations don't apply to God's transformation. That preacher, David Ring. Sometimes some of the shyest kids that Brother Jeremiah, he's mentioned before, and you wouldn't believe it. I mean, he's a people person. And it's just natural to him. He wasn't always that way. God transformed him. And God made him into what he is today. And he made himself available to be a a useful vessel. And his shyness, or, and I'd say here tonight that whatever you got, I don't know. I'm still shy. I never got over mine. When Brother Jeremiah called me on the phone, we, were, we happened to be in his office using the internet trying to get some pictures for a brochure for camp. I'm horrible at that stuff, and I hate it. <laughs> but in the world we live in today, it's necessary. I'm stuck back in the horse and buggy days, and everybody else around here is flying a jet airplane, and I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> and I get a little bit of attitude about it sometime. As Brother Jeremiah says, that's just a little extra. So as we look at this and think about it, that God says, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So worldly imitations don't apply to, to God's transformation. And the presentation putting ourselves before God, brings about this transformation. God, what do I need, God? You know, the world would say, well, Brother Jack, you know, you need to get a toupee or maybe some plugs or get some of that brown spray paint, you know, to go on up here and all this other stuff. And, you know, uh, uh, buy, you know get, get more suits in your closet, you know, than four or five and just all this stuff. Get some of these new shoes and get some of these crazy socks. And I'm saying, man, you know, I'm still in the horse and buggy days. I'm just glad to have a pair of shoes <laughs> that work. So presentation brings about transformation. Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be miraculously changed or just changed a little bit? The greatest day in King Saul's life was not when he was king, it was before he was king. He didn't think much of himself. But God took that limited man backwards and shy and made a king out of him. And then Saul Saul lost that youthfulness 
of that I'm nobody and God, I'm going to present myself before you. And then he started presenting himself before everything else. And he lost that. So I'm saying here tonight that the Bible teaches us that world limitations don't apply to God's transformation, what he wants to do. You know where the real who's who is? Brother Jeremiah, he was so excited when, uh, when he was in Bible college. And I think I got this story straight. You know, sometimes you hook one story to another story and, you, you know, and he does it too. So it's not just because uh, I'm a little bit older than he is. But I, I admit that I do that. And he brought home a book and, and um, it was one of them who's who books. Who buys those things, by the way? I know everything's on the internet now. I understand that. But, you know, a book. Man, I've, there's, there's a book at my house that's got my name in it that somebody put together all this list of names. And everybody in that book is somebody. Is that what a who's who was? The real who's who is in Hebrews chapter 11. That's the real who's who. Men and women that presented themselves before God and, 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 and even with their frailties and weaknesses of the flesh and, and problems and mistakes, that they, 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 they trusted God and believed God was faithful and, and true and the things of the Bible right. And, and oh God, here I am, transform me. I don't know about you, but that trans, transform is, to me is not a little it's not a little kindergarten word. It's even above a college word, what God will do and only what God can, only what God can do. And he does it through the re- renewing of the mind. We, uh, we've been working, my wife and I, um, her immune system's been kind of busted. It's coming back, so um, we try to be careful with her. You know, and she wears the mask. And I'm thinking about getting one myself. It may improve my image. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I'd want one with the eyes and, you know, maybe a flamethrower on top or something real dynamic. But the renewing of your mind, we've been, we've been working on a cabin. And, you know, we started out, we was going to paint the walls. And then I said, man, the floor's wore out. you got to replace the wood. And then, we, then the, the side, man, I mean, the side is rotting on the outside. And, and then if we started pulling some of the siding off, we found there's been mice living in the walls. We had people living in here, and there was mice. They didn't get through the paneling, you know, you know it's that, but, they, but they were there in the walls. So, we're having, well, we got a, all this insulation, and everything's sky high now, and got to replace this. Well, while we're here, you know, we ought to put a bigger window in. You know, you get a woman involved in something, and I say that affectionately, right? Ladies, smile. You get a woman involved in something, so, you know, now, with the, and then the practical side of a builder says, well, if we're going to do that, now's the time to do it, right? And so... We've, we've, been, we've, been, uh, we've been doing more than remodeling. We've been rebuilding. Renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What that means is to rebuild your mind. I know this is not new stuff. We got it in Ephesians chapter 4, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible for the Christian and for the church. It lays, it lays so much stuff out there. You've got to first put off. I had to tear all this stuff out of the cottage. I had to tear the floor up all the way back down to the subfloor. You know, that's the floor that in the old places that had the cracks in there, you know, uh, excuse me, that you can hear about spit through. If you had chickens and the chickens were walking around, you could look through the cracks. 
and see the chickens down there. And so we had to tear all the way back down to there. And then plywood got up to $50 a sheet. And I said, good Lord of mercy. And, uh, and I got a sawmill. But you got to let that wood dry before you can use it as a finished product. And that's a, that's, that's a shop story. But it says the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I just tell you, you got to rebuild. And the only way you'll rebuild is get some of that stuff that God's going to show you when you're here. God, I'm presenting myself before you. And God, I'm not here. Uh, please hang on to the flamethrower. Save that for another city. But here I am, God. I want to be honest and open before you. I want to present myself before you. God, what do I need to do? And I guarantee you, God will find what the problem is. You know, sometimes it's something small as an attitude. You ever get an attitude? I can tell by looking at some of you. You're good at it. <laughs> Brother Jeremiah said, told me to say something like that. Sometimes it's just an attitude. You know, there's a lot of people that when I first met them, I didn't like them. I didn't like the way they looked. I didn't like their first impression. Isn't that awful? And now some of them are my best friends. So I'm just kind of telling you, you might think that about me, right? And so one day we might be best friends. But it's a, it's a rebuilding. It's a putting off, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and then put on. It's a complete rebuilding. And, and, if, and the greatest thing that you'll ever do is say, God, find out what is the worst thing about me that is hindering me from being what you want to be to pleasing you and tell me about it. The preacher may even preach on it sometime. Amen. Somebody said, when I came up here, it says, step on our toes. and God aims for right here. And you got a preacher that aims for right here. A very kind and loving man that loves this church. So, presentation says something about our relationship with God. Then presentation brings about transformation. The renewing of our mind. You got to think different, folks. Now, I know that may sound very petty to some of you in here, but I want to tell you something. The Bible is not rocket science. It's simple science. It's simple theology. And you can go to the schools of psychology and all that stuff all day long you want to, but, but your child could understand most of this stuff. Just let them sit down and read it. Presentation brings about transformation, the renewing of your mind, how you think about things. I had no idea uh, many years of our marriage. Uh, I'm going to hurry. I had no idea how set in my ways I was. Uh, I did tell my wife before we got married. I said, if we get married, I'm not changing. You know, I didn't want that hassle. I'd been around enough older married people to hear some of the junk that goes on. And so I just told her up front, you know, settle that right off for the next 60 years of marriage. I'm not changing. So, hey, hello, it's this. And so you changed to suit me. 
And then, and then listening to the preacher. And then finally God said, you know what? He's talking about you. Wow. And that got a process started and got a process started. And I don't think I'm going to live long enough to get it done. <laughs> That's why I want to be transformed and go at a faster pace. Here's the third thing. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So verse 2 is giving us a whole lot of how-to of how to present ourselves and how to do that. And, and the best way is just to prove God. You know, if you prove God, you, I, I don't mean this in an uh, exclusive sort of way, but, you know, if you can prove who God is and what He wants and what He wants you to do in your life, and, and the Bible's full of all this, you know what, you don't have to worry about other people. I didn't say you didn't have to care about other people. But your heart doesn't have to be an emotional roller coaster of people that you're around, family members. I mean, and hey, listen, you know, hey, you hear this? God's got this. Well, God's got this. But, you know, God just wants us to do this and say, here I am, God. And don't we want to do that? I mean, don't we want to do that? God, can you fix me? Can you get my heart and my mind right? So the third thing is, says here, it says, prove, prove that. Present ourselves before God upon his written word and prove him. I read about some of the old preachers. And uh, because they just seem so solid and sure. Already toward some. And, and, and these guys, I mean, they were, they were pretty stiff on the outside. They had that look and stuff like that. But I read about these guys, and they talk about praying and, 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 and books and pamphlets. They write, read it, but they write about prayer. And here's what they say. You find the verse that fits your life of what you need, what God showed you, and you pray that verse. And God has no choice... But to honor his word, because it's impossible for him to lie. And I'm talking about the, the, the runniest nosed little bus kid, all the way up to the 95-year-old person sitting in the church today, if there is some, such a person, that those same promises, and, you, and once you prove God, then you've come all the way down to the end of the line to where you're secure, and all these other things. I'll close with a great example of the Bible that we used to hear in Bible schools or used to use in Bible schools years ago. King David. King David. Probably a guy about like that. You know? Probably had, had a sweet-looking face, kind of like a girl. I don't mean anything by that, but, you know, I mean, just, just a sweet-looking young man. And, and who would who would have thought... Who would have thought this guy had killed a lion with his bare hands and killed a bear with his bare hands and took the lamb out of the mouth of those animals? So here King David, he comes up upon the army 
of Israel and the army of the Philistines and the army, the battle stalled. If you read much about World War II, there's many times the battle was stalled for different reasons, supply, reinforcements, um, lay of the land, and the battle was stalled and David comes up and he asks questions. He's just bringing some food to supply the army and he asks, so what's going on? And then he hears and and, 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 and they tell him the story that got this big nine foot nine giant over here. He's cussing God. He's saying all these ugly things. And, and he's saying that, that, that all the men of Israel, you guys ain't nothing but sissies. And your God ain't nothing. And David begins to speak up. And some of his older brothers said, you know, you just, uh, uh, you're, just, uh, uh, you're just showing off. And then David says, you know what? I'll go fight that guy. This young man had presented himself before the Lord. Say, God, what do you think about what I'm doing? And he had some kind of relationship with God. And say, hey, King Saul, we, we got a man that will go. And so they get him up there and he tells King Saul this and all, gives a story. And then they put on, Saul says, well, kid, you know, you can't go up there looking like that. I mean, this guy's like a, He's like a, a Sherman tank. He's got so much armor. He's got radar that goes before him in his armor bearer and, and tells him what's going on and carries all of his weapons. And so they get Saul's army. You can imagine Saul a head taller than anybody else. And David's probably a half a head shorter than anybody else. And it's kind of like you're walking around as a kid and your dad's clothes like this. And, you can't, and he says, hey, uh, I appreciate this fellow, but you know what? I can't use this stuff. This doesn't fit how I operate. I've not proved these things. I've not, these things are not battle tested. And he tells him again about the lion and the bear. And here's what he says. 1 Samuel 17, 37. The Bible says the Lord delivered me. Here's David speaking. Out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me now. He'll deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. He had proved his relationship with God. So the third thing in this presenting ourselves before God is present ourselves before God upon his written word and prove him. I can tell you one thing, you're not going to make a liar out of God. Ain't going to happen. And I say to you in closing this morning that you don't have to be brave. I can't play the piano. There's a lot of things I can't do. You don't have to be brave. You just got to be sure about God. And when we get to that point in our life, we're at a point to where God can be successful. You see, God being successful is not based on our success. It's based solely on God being successful and how he wants to use us. And so tonight, in backtracking back to the message thought, is presenting ourselves before God. It's a challenge, but it's also an encouragement of what we need in our land and our churches.
I believe personally that I told somebody this this morning that I believe that Central Baptist Church is poised or getting poised for revival. But you know what? We're not going to get it any other way than this. And it starts with Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and verse 3. And so we can dream, we can fantasize, we can say, boy, that's great. Or it can be real. Revival comes one person at a time. It didn't come from the outside, it's going to come on the inside. And every time one person's revived, there's a challenge automatically presented to another person. Asked Miss Rushing this morning or this afternoon when we saw her, I, I said, I said, how's your bus going? Now, I know Miss Rushing's probably like Jack Benny, over 39. And uh, most of y'all don't know who Jack Benny is, do you? And she said, if I'd, unless I was mistaken, she said I had 47. Is that right, Miss Rushing? 47 on a bus. I think God's doing something because somebody's doing something right. Some transforming is taking place. So here this evening in closing, we'll have our invitation. I just issued this encouragement and this challenge to, you know, it starts with presenting ourselves before God and say, God, what do you want? We got the Bible right. We got the preaching. But somewhere in here, God is speaking, right? God spoke to me this morning in the message. Somewhere God is saying something. The Holy Spirit lives here. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit shows us what's ahead. The Holy Spirit comforts us. But we've got to get the world out. We've got to say, God, what is it? What is it? And so there's the invitation here tonight as we pray. Father, we just thank you so much.